0: We'd like to welcome you to another edition of You Ask For It podcast. I'm Pastor Steve Scoggins. With me is Pastor Justin Alexander, and we just love to respond to issues that you raise. But we're doing something differently for a few months. We're walking slowly through the Apostles' Creed, and one of the most ancient statements of faith that we Christians have, and what we're looking to to come up with questions based upon lines in the creed. So tonight, it'll be, I believe in God the Father Almighty. That's the section we're going to look at. And the question that we're going to look at is, what is God like? Um, I'm reading several books now before we actually get to the question. uh, I've got, I think, five or six books on the Apostles' Creed that I'm reading right now just to get fresh as we look at this. I found one while I was on vacation written by a liberal Catholic theologian. (laughs) And, uh, and he basically made the statement that he said that most people who say the Apostles Creed do not realize how countercultural everything they're saying is. For instance, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. We live in a day and time where we don't want to acknowledge anyone to be Lord over us. We have got to make all our own decisions, our own choices to say, God says that you're born a male, you're born, no, no. If I want to be something different than what God said, that's up to me. I'll have no Lord at all., uh, we're going to look in next week, God willing. I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of Heaven and Earth. And if you want to be countercultural, then simply assert the fact that you believe that we're not accidents of cre- of evolution. We are a special creation of God. And so we'll see that. So I, I thought that was good insight. So let's begin, Brother Justin. Yeah, so we said well, today we're looking at the discussion built
1: around the phrase, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And someone once remarked to a Christian that I don't believe in God. And, and the man surprised him by saying, that's interesting. Tell me about the God that you don't believe in because I might not believe in him either. Yeah. You know, we often try to decide what is it that we believe about God? What is it? How would we define him? And A.W. Tozer says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. You better repeat that one because that's a good quote. What comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. See, some people, they look at God and they seem to be this old grumpy man in the sky. You know, this man with a white beard who just sits up there. And others see him as this just mean, you know, just absent God who wound up the earth and let it go. But that's not the way the Bible speaks of God. The Bible speaks of God as something personal, as, as a
0: father. And, and even in the day when this creed was developed and when the Christians would stand up and say it, they lived in a day with all kinds of different ideas about God. The pagans were constantly offering sacrifices to God to try to turn away his wrath. They felt like God was ready to get them at any moment and they had to constantly give sac- So God to them was an ogre that you try to keep placated. In the Roman gods, and this was written during the time of the Roman Empire, the Roman gods were up there, petty gods who were toying with people, playing with them for their entertainment. And so when you contrast that with what we believe, you see a great difference. But even today, uh, the second largest religion on the planet is Islam. Uh, One of the things that Muslims do is they have their own prayer beads. They pull beads for 99 names of God and could be merciful, God Almighty, those those uh, eternal Lord, Creator. So they have 99 names that you can call God. Did you know in the 99 names that you can call God, Father is not one of them? Mm -hmm. A Muslim is not allowed to call God Father. And and so here we are, and we have uh, an incredible statement of faith that comes from Jesus, who says we should be calling God our Father. When Jesus did that in Judaism, that was shocking there. Uh, the Jews so feared God, they wouldn't say his name. You know, the personal name for God is Yahweh. If you have an, uh, an English version of the Old Testament, everyone does this now. Uh, wherever the, the word Yahweh would be, they take the word Lord, because what the Jews would do, if they're reading the Old Testament, and you and it says Yahweh, they substitute the word Adonai, which is the word Lord. So if you see L-O-R-D in capital letters, that tells you that it's actually Yahweh, not Lord. For instance, Psalm 23, it literally says in the Hebrew, Yahweh is my shepherd, not the Lord is my shepherd. And so they had this name, but they so reverenced God, they wouldn't say his name. And and as as time went on, the Jews wouldn't even say the name of God at all, wouldn't use any name. I bought a interlinear Hebrew Psalms where it had the, the Hebrew and then you had the English below it. And whenever it came to Yahweh, it simply put the word Hashem, which is the name, the, the, the word that means the name. So when they got to Psalm 23, they said, the name is my shepherd. Because <laughs> they wouldn't. I had a Jewish guide one time, and when he talked about God, he said, he whose name we cannot say. Reminded me so much of Harry Potter and Voldemort. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so they so feared God, they wouldn't even say his name. And and then here we are. We are ready to call Godfather. That was revolutionary, wasn't it? Yeah, and I
1: think and the importance of calling Godfather m- makes him so personal. He's not it makes him where he's not just a force. Like in in Buddhism or, or what we would know here is Star Wars. Mm. Titus and I watched one of the Star Wars movies recently and it's, and what's so interesting about that is the whole thing is to connect to the force so that you can experience the power, right? Mm. You know, that, that can flow through. Yeah, it's so impersonal. And it's only a few that's able to actually experience the force in that way. But Father makes God so approachable and so personal. And it's, Jesus was revolutionary in this, where when he, when the disciples asked, him. How is it that we should pray? He begins with these words, our father. Amen. Not even just my father, which we would say is him being the son of God is okay. Like John 17, Jesus prays. He, um, he says, he looks up to heaven. He says, father, the hour has come to glorify your son. So the son may glorify you. But he doesn't just say, you know, my father, our father. Mm-hmm. And he uses the words here that are extremely intimate. It's a term of affection for God. It's the word Abba. In in Mark 14, when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mm. sweating drops of blood, knowing that he's going to the cross, he cries out and he says this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, this personal, almost like calling him dad, is what he calls him Mm. right here. And when he looks at us, he says this, that we can call Our Father, just as personable, almost like Dad in the same way that Jesus does. Romans 8, Paul says it this way. He says, For you did not receive a a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So in the same way that Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, when He is at the lowest point asking for His life, Paul says we, in the same way, when we cry out to God, we say, Abba, Father.
0: Well, let me chase a rabbit here. Who can really call God Father? Because I have a lot of people who are adamant you should never allow a non-Christian say the Lord's Prayer because he doesn't have God as his Father. Uh, Some of you who are from my age group or above Remember the hottest song in high school assemblies in the sixties and seventies, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. With God as our father, brothers all are we. Kumbaya, let's hold hands and sway. You know. And so they they I called don't it, uh, uh, I don't know, know that one. I know you don't they called it the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Now those words are off bounds now. Because mm. you can't say fatherhood or brotherhood anymore. But but uh, so yeah. There's some who say, wait a minute, you can't, well, let me explain something. I don't believe we ought to look around and say, I think that person's lost. They can't say the Lord's Prayer because there is a sense in which every person can call God Father to one extent. He is the Father of everyone through creation. And I'll give you two Old Testament passages that show that. Malachi 2 verse 10, don't all of us have one Father? Didn't one God create us, that Hebrew parallelism? He's saying, since God created us, we all have God as a father because he's our creator. And then Malachi 2.10, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 64.8, yet Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the works of your hand. So there is a sense which you could sing that 60 song, let there be peace on earth and it wouldn't be blasphemous. But there's a special way that we Christians are truly children of God, that God is our Father in a way the world doesn't have. In John 1, he says, but to those, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Hmm. There's a sense in which when we accept Christ, we become a child of God in a way that those who haven't accepted Christ can't even begin to understand. I, I love it when people bring their children, I get to lead a child to Christ. One of the things I'll do with that child if they pray to receive Christ, I'll say, you just prayed to receive Christ. And I show them John one twelve, and it says, you know what that says? You're now a child of God. You know, I'm a child of God. You know what that makes us? Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I'll put my hand out and shake their hand. Uh, because we we are we have God as a, our Father in ways that no one else has. You know our statement of faith
1: that we hold as the Baptist. Southern Baptists. Yeah, so the Southern Baptist Convention has what's called the Baptist Faith and Message, and it actually combines God as Father in creation and redemption, and what you just what mm-hmm. you just spoke of. Let me read to you what it says in the Baptist Faith and Message: God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe. His creatures, in the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father and truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. So
0: he's father for those of us who've accepted Christ, but yes. he's fatherly yes. to the rest of creation. Absolutely, that's good. Now here's a here's something to think though. I've already mentioned how you couldn't say the fatherhood of man and the brother uh, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man anymore. Uh, did y'all hear or hear about the new Italian prime minister's speech when she uh, was made the prime minister? She talked about. Uh, I'm tired of people calling me parent one versus parent two and birthing person. She said, I'm a mother. I'm a woman. And you just made some statements and got a round of applause. I hope the tide is going to turn on some of our foolishness. But there are a lot of people, especially even radical feminists, who hate the concept of calling God father. First Baptist Asheville is the most liberal Baptist church in our area. When I was in Opelika in the Auburn area, First Baptist Auburn, right at the edge of the campus, was a very liberal church. Uh, they would not allow God to be called Father in any of their songs. They would edit out of their hymns. In, you cannot have a prayer to God as Father. When they baptized, they came up with a new way to say the Trinity. They baptized in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, so they wouldn't use sexist terms like father and son as well as Holy Spirit. Mm. And so there, there, there's some who are that. So we will not use this sexist term. Um, but there's another group of people that cringe when they hear God called father. And I can give this some legitimacy. There are some people who are raised by abusive fathers. Mm. where When they think of father, I, I'm so grateful I had a good father. Nobody's had a perfect father. I wasn't a perfect father to my children. But I've got a father who combined love and discipline, and I knew that 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 he believed me. I'm so grateful for the father I had. But there are some whose fathers are so abusive that to call God father causes them to cringe. One of those who did that was a man named J.B. Phillips. He translated the J.B. Phillips paraphrase back in the uh, 60s, I believe it was. He said his father was so abusive that he was 28 years old, Before he could say out loud the Lord's Prayer, because he couldn't bring himself to say those first two words, Mm. our Father. But let me say this about those who've had an abusive father. You know what I've seen when I've, when it ministered to people who've had abusive fathers or even teenagers or children, they still long for a father. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it should be avoided because what we can do is we can say, I know you had a, a, a hard experience with the way your father treated you, but you've got a perfect heavenly father, mm. and you can run into his arms, yeah. and he can be to you what what you, where your father failed you. He can be that to you.
1: All right. Well, now we have two truths that that are kind of joined together. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Now, Pastor Steve, you have a, a book that you like to reference on this. Um, how would you explain that? And then I'll kind of lean in okay, on um, Romans.
0: The book was written by a rabbi, Harold Kushner, entitled, Why, Does, why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And uh, Jesus had an interesting answer to that question. There are no good people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the question of heaven is, why are, why are we getting any blessing? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but here's the deal. He lost uh-huh. his son, in, tragically, when he was a young man in his 20s. And so Rabbi Harold Kushner, looking at the evil and suffering in this world, he said, we only have two choices. Either there's a God who's loving, but he's not all powerful, because if he were loving, if he were loving and all powerful, he wouldn't let a child get cancer. He wouldn't let a war with Putin. And Terry just shared with me that friends of his are fleeing the country now in Russia because of the new conscription of people. So he says either God is loving, but he's not all powerful, or he's all powerful. But if he's all powerful, he can't be loving if he allows these things to happen. So he gave those as the two choices. That That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God is both pow- all-powerful and loving. And And we've already chased the rabbit in the past about how can there be a God of love when there's evil and suffering in the world. But... So pick that up for yeah, me. Boy. I want to
1: show you. So there's some incredible scriptures that point to this um, in the Bible. First of all, you got Jeremiah 32, verse 17. It says, "O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. The only one who can create all things is that one who is almighty, right? Amen. And then another passage, if we come to the New Testament in Luke chapter 1. It's the conversation that that Mary's having with the angel. And it says, Mary asked the angel, How can this be about her being pregnant? Since I have not had sexual relations with a man. And the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is all-powerful. Absolutely. He's he's all-powerful here. And What I love about this is I love how they put the words together. It's Father, then it's Almighty. Mm. What we get is this picture of this, that God is not going to abuse His power because He is also a God of love. He's a loving Father. His almighty power is always wrapped up in the fact that he is a father to his children. Amen. You know, because here's what we would see. Being a father also without being almighty would bring little comfort, right? Yeah. If he just loved us and he couldn't protect us or if he wasn't in charge, I wouldn't want that. Mm -hmm. That's a pushover, God. I wouldn't want that at all. And what's happened is some people have tried to trick God into not being Almighty. Or trick
0: Christians. We well, are yeah, trick
1: say. Christians. sorry, yeah, trick Christians in believing that God is not almighty. You know, they've asked questions like this. Maybe you've heard this. Could God make a rock so heavy that he couldn't lift it? Maybe you've heard that before. Well, the question is a catch 22, because if God cannot make such a rock or could not lift such a rock, then he's not by ne- definition all-powerful. C.S. Lewis, who we reference a lot on here, kind of engaged this question. And he noted this. He said, these are not serious objections to divine omnipotence. They're just silly games with words. Mm -hmm. And here's what he said. He said, God's omnipotence means that God has power to do all that is intrinsically possible, not the intrinsically possible. God cannot make a triangle with four sides or any propositional absurdity, not because God's power meets a limit. But because nonsense remains nonsense, even if we preface it with the question, can God? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. So often what happens is, is the, 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 the seven word games that we try to play, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not fitting here. And this is what he ends this statement with. C.S. Lewis says, the only limit to God's power is the contours of his character
0: and the consistency of his nature. Yeah, he will not do anything contrary to his nature. No, no. Yeah, uh, I used to do rabbit chasing in frat houses at Auburn when I was there for those years. And so this would be one of the ones that would come up. You know, you you don't get a new question if you do it long enough. And so uh, can God make a rock too big for himself to move? I got that so many times. And I learned how to share the gospel with that. I said, yes, because even though God is all powerful, he can limit himself. He can limit just because, I mean, I look around this room. There's several of you who could beat me up. Well, he could. He could beat me right up. (laughs) And just because he could beat me up doesn't mean he's going to beat me up. Does that make sense? He can limit his power and his strength because of his love and his character. And so that's what God did. He, He could. He limited himself to give us free will. He limited himself so that he could. Offer us salvation that we'd have the chance to choose without being forced into it. So so, uh, that's just something I've used in the past. Well, let me close with this. How does this apply to our lives? I believe in God, the Father Almighty. This isn't just intellectual things. What it means is when I say that, I realize my life is not in the hands of chance. My life is in the hands of the loving, all-powerful Father, that means that I can rest tonight. We've got folks in this room right now who as the hurricane is going over their places in Florida, <laughs> and they're saying, "Thank you God you put me in North Carolina." No, that's, yeah. uh, but 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 you're not you, you know that whatever happens, your life, your possessions are in the hands of the Father Almighty. Uh, we see Jesus teaching that in Matthew 6. He says, the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Your heavenly Father knows everything you need, so just seek him first. I, I love especially how he puts this uh, about how God being our Father should change us. In Matthew 7, who among you, if his son ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask him for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give yeah. things to those who ask him? We have a heavenly father. We're not twisting his arm when we go to him in prayer any more than my children twist my arm when they go to me and say, Dad, could you help me with this? You know, it's a delight, it's a joy. So thank God that we believe in God the Father Almighty. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us again
1: for this this series that we're working through on the Apostles' Creed. I hope it's been beneficial for you as you're engaging these conversations with those around you. Um, Keep listening because we'll be back with you next week as we move on to the next part of the Apostles' Creed. Have a great day.